Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Gospel According to St. Luke Jesus said to his disciples, A good tree does not bear rotten fruit, nor does a rotten tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For people do not pick figs from thorn bushes, nor do they gather grapes from brambles. A good person, out of the store of goodness in his heart, produces good. But an evil person, out of a store of evil, produces evil. For from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do what I command? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, listens to my words, and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the river bursts against that house, but could not shake it because it has been well built. But the one who listens and does not act like a person who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river bursts against it, it collapsed at once and was completely destroyed. The Gospel of the Lord. Mary's soul was filled with grace by the Holy Spirit. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good, and the evil man, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. By means of this double comparison, of the tree giving forth good or bad fruit, and of the man speaking from the depths of his heart, Jesus teaches us that sanctity cannot be feigned or substituted for by anything else. A man simply gives what is in him, no more and no less. St. Bede elaborates on that idea. The treasure of a soul is the same as the root of a tree. A person with the treasure of patience and charity in his soul produces beautiful fruits. He loves his neighbor and possesses other qualities that Jesus recommends. He loves his enemies, does good to those who hate him, blesses those who curse him, and prays for the one who slanders him. But the man who has a source of evil in his soul does the exact opposite. He hates his friends, speaks badly of the one who loves him, and does all the other things condemned by the Lord. 
Our Blessed Mother's heart was filled with graces by the Holy Spirit. Except for Christ's life, no life ever gave or will give forth such sweet fruit as the life of Our Lady has done. All graces come to us and keep coming to us through her. Above all, Jesus himself comes to us, the blessed fruit of her most pure womb. From her lips have poured forth the greatest, most pleasing, and most tender praises of God. From her we have all received the best advice. Do whatever he tells you. It is advice that she repeats silently in the intimacy of our hearts. The Virgin Mary received the angel's message in Nazareth, the message by which she learned what had been God's will for her from all eternity, that she should be the mother of his son, the savior of the human race. For the messenger greets Mary as full of grace. He calls her thus as if it were her real name. He does not call her by her proper earthly name, Miriam, Mary, but by this new name, full of grace. What does this name mean? Why does the archangel address the Virgin of Nazareth in this way? When we read that the messenger addresses Mary as full of grace, the gospel context, which mingles revelations and ancient promises, enables us to understand that among all the spiritual blessings in Christ, this is a special blessing. In the mystery of Christ, she is present even before the creation of the world as the one whom the Father has chosen as mother of his Son in the Incarnation. And, what is more, together with the Father, the Son has chosen her, entrusting her eternity to the Spirit of Holiness. Mary's dignity flows from the initial grace that she received, preparing her to be the mother of God. This grace places her in a realm distinct from that of the angels and saints. As the Second Vatican Council states, Mary is the mother of the Son of God, and therefore she is also the beloved daughter of the Father in the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because of this gift of sublime grace, she far surpasses all creatures, both in heaven and on earth. All goodness, all beauty, all majesty, all loveliness, all grace adorn our mother. Does it make you fall in love to have a mother like that? Mary's plenitude of grace is an immense gift for us. Gratitude to God for this Marian privilege. St. Thomas states that the goodness of one grace is greater than the natural goodness of the entire universe. The smallest amount of sanctifying grace within the soul of a child after his or her baptism is worth more than the natural goods of the entire universe, more than all of created nature, including the angels. Grace is a participation in God's inner life, which is greater than all miracles. What would Mary's soul be like when God encompassed her with all possible splendor and with his infinite love? God was pleased with Mary in the eternity of his being. From always, in the continuous present, God delights in the thoughts of his mother, daughter, and spouse. 
It is not chance or caprice that the Church, in her liturgy, has applied to Our Lady those words of Scripture whose direct meaning refers to uncreated wisdom. And so we read in the book of Proverbs, Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth, and there were no depths was brought forth, and there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits, that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him, like a master working man, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the sons of men. And now, my sons, listen to me. Happy are those who keep my ways. Our Lady is the throne of grace in a very profound way. To her, we can apply these words from the epistle to the Hebrews. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The throne is a symbol of the authority which belongs to Christ, who is the King of the living and the dead. But the throne is a throne of grace and mercy, and we can apply it to Mary according to ancient liturgical texts. Through her, all graces come to us. Mary's protection is like a spiritual river which has been pouring down upon all men for nearly 2,000 years. It is a tree that keeps that keeps giving fruit, a tree that God willed to plant with so much love. It is the immense treasure of Mary who is constantly caring for her children. What better way to obtain divine mercy than by having recourse to the Mother of God, who is also our Mother? The plenitude of grace with which God wishes to fill her soul is also an immense gift to us. Let us give thanks to God for having given us his mother as our own, for having made her so exquisitely beautiful in her whole being. The best way to thank him is to love her very much, to deal with her throughout each day, to learn to imitate her in her love for her son and in her complete availability for whatever refers to God. We say to her, Hail, full of grace! And we are captivated by so much greatness and so much beauty as the Archangel Gabriel must have been when he appeared before her. Your name, Mother of God, your name, you are all my love. Mary's most faithful correspondence with all graces. Our Lady had the plenitude of grace which corresponded to her at every moment. And this grace grew and increased day by day, since graces and supernatural gifts do not limit the capacity of the one receiving them, 
but rather increase and expand that capacity for new gifts. The more we love God, the more our soul is enabled to love Him further and to receive more grace. By loving, we obtain new powers to love. Whoever loves more has a greater desire to love and a greater capacity for loving. Grace invites more grace, and a plenitude of grace calls for an ever greater plenitude. Mary's soul, at the first instant of its creation, received an immense treasure of graces. At that moment, the words that the angel spoke to her on the day of the Annunciation were already fulfilled. Hail, full of grace. From the beginning, Mary has been loved by God above all creatures, because the Lord has full, fully pleased with her and filled her with the supernatural graces, more than all the angelic spirits and more than all the saints. Many saints and doctors of the church consider that the initial grace in Mary was greater than the final grace of all other beings. Of Our Lady, St. Thomas states that her dignity is in a certain sense infinite. This grace was given to Mary on account of her divine motherhood. What is more, because of her physical and spiritual contact with the sacred humanity of Christ, as his mother, she is able to grow in grace in a continual and inexhaustible way. In an entirely special and exceptional manner, Mary is united to Christ. And similarly, she is eternally loved in this beloved Son. This Son, who is of one being with the Father, in whom is concentrated all the glory of grace. The fruits of her maternity were extraordinarily great. According to the principle which St. Thomas expresses as follows, The closer the recipient is to the source, the more he or she participates in its effects. No other creature is ever so close to God. The continuous increase of our mother's fullness of grace was more intense at certain specific moments of her life, at the Incarnation, at the Nativity, at the Cross, at Pentecost, when Our Lady received the Holy Eucharist. Fullness of grace and fullness of freedom went together in Our Lady, since one is more free in so far as one is more holy. As a result, she gave a most faithful response to these gifts of God, and through that response, she obtained abundant merits. Let us, who are her children and who have such great need for her help, go to her now. Give you thanks, Almighty God, for all thy benefits. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.